Welcome to the EdTech Pod Squad, a monthly show where five Missouri EdTech leaders talk, share, and reflect on their own teaching and learning. The conversation with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Noll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and J.P. Presavento starts right now. everybody uh welcome to uh this month's episode of the ed tech pod squad where we got some swag missouri tech coaches here to talk about all the latest cool things going on in instructional technology uh this week or this week this month we are going to be talking about technology coaches and their job duties so um let's go ahead and introduce uh you to our panel that we have here today i'll start um, my name is Josh Howard, and I'm a, uh, and I think it would be cool if we all mentioned our titles, since I think it's interesting how um, those titles can be different depending on what your job is and what you do. But uh, uh, my name is Josh Howard. I am an instructional technology facilitator in the Fulton Public School District, and um, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter at Josh C. Howard and uh, my website, joshchoward.com. My name is Jonathan Lee, and uh, I work for Education Plus out of St. Louis. And so my job titles, uh, I work for MBTC, and I'm an instructional specialist. You can't see this, but I'm putting it on the screen anyway. That's a really uh, big bag, man. I have to get them out because I forget to what my title, titles are. So I'm an instructional specialist for MBTC, but I'm also a um, coaching support team technology consultant for the Regional Professional Development Center of Missouri. So um, I travel around the state working with um, different schools around tech and um, different initiatives for the state of Missouri. So, Hey everyone, I am JP Presvento. I am the one and only instructional technology coordinator for the Fox School District out of Arnold. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a bit, I guess. You can connect with me on any of the social medias at J-P-P-R-E-Z-Z. And I'm Erin Lawson, and I'm the District Technology Coach in the Orchard Farm School District, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Aaron underscore Lawson 3. All right, uh, coordinators, fac- facilitators, and technology coaches, uh, let's talk about what is new out there in uh, instructional technology. we got a couple of things here on the agenda, but let's start with .new domain. Who wants to step up and tell us a little bit about .new? So I can talk about that. It's a pretty neat way, easy way to actually start a new slide or doc or sheet within your Google Drive. So you just open up the Chrome browser there. Within the address bar, you type in slides.new and you enter into a brand new slide presentation. If you uh, enter doc.new, you have a new doc. So it's pretty slick and it just goes right into your drive. Uh, assuming, of course, you are actually logged into your Chrome browser, uh, it'll just link right into your drive, and then you can organize it from that doc or slide. So it's pretty cool. Nice and easy way to access new things. If you use your shortcuts, use your command N for a new tab, or, or sorry, command T for a new tab, then you don't have to use the mouse anymore. It's kind of cool. Um, I've used this a few times already. Um, it's, it's awesome for students because... It's just a really quick way to start a project without having to tell them, go to your drive, hit the plus, go down and find the thing. The one thing, though, is if you are a freak about organizing your drive, this is just going to fill up your top level with a bunch of extra files and stuff. So 
if you do like to keep things organized, it's important to go back in there and uh, organize those things. Yep. That's a good point. When, when you open the new drive and you have your title across the top, if you click on that title, it tells you where it is. And then it'll, so then it says my drive. You can organize it straight from right. that particular item. So yeah, I always make sure I put it where I want it. Cause yeah, I don't want a bunch of documents in my drive. I like my folders nice and neat. Well, my drive's a hot mess anyway, but um, <laughs> try to organize it. Um, another thing with that, it only it doesn't work for all the uh, all of them. And the one that I really wish it did, and it doesn't, is drawings, uh, because I use drawings most of the time for all sorts of stuff. And there's no drawing.name, so uh, yeah. come on, Google, come get on. <laughs> but it's docs, yeah. slides, sheets, and is it forms too? Uh, forms and sites actually does forms it too. And sites. Wow. Okay. So, now, Aaron, a couple of weeks ago, I think you shared in a group chat your little kind of shortcut hack with those new docs. You remember that? Yeah, I learned it at, um, it was at that Google Summit, and it was just creating a folder on your Chrome browser, just right up there at the top on your bookmarks, and you just put a little folder that says new, and then in there, um, bookmark, like a doc.new, a slides.new, like bookmark oh, those underneath it, so that way smart. then you could just go up to the folder and click the new, and then just scroll down and pick one of them, that would open up a new doc or slider yeah, that's a though. pretty cool little hack for like yeah. a yeah it was really cool that's it i like that a lot all right very good um okay awesome so there's another new feature in uh, google slides for doing closed captioning uh any of you have experience using this yet we don't have it turned on so we can't actually do it um we're working on that but um have you who has some experience with this can tell us a little bit more about it so I presented at Mornet uh, a couple weeks ago, and it showed up the Friday before I left for that, and I was just ecstatic. And so um, it was, it's a pretty amazing little tool. Uh, you just present your slide like you normally would, and then all of a sudden you see a CC button, click on it, and it turn, asks for permission for your microphone. And as soon as you start talking, it starts putting the closed captioning across the bottom. So it's, it's pretty slick, and... Um, I was with a couple other tech coaches from around the state, um, uh, Greg Lawrence and Tina Lauer, and uh, I can't remember who else was in the room, Stephanie Florida, I think. And um, Greg brought up the idea that you could use your Bluetooth headphones. So I know JP's rocking the, the AirPods or AirBuds or whatever they're called now. Um, so you have those linked into your, your Mac and you start talking, you can walk around the room and your closed captioning will show up on the screen. So it's, it's pretty slick. It's in its infancy. Um, the blog post at blog.google uh, kind of explains how this all came about. All the accessibility features that are coming um, are coming from uh, employees at Google that need these things. And so they, you know, they uh, have those needs like um, deaf or hard of hearing, that kind of thing. So it's pretty slick and pretty cool to hear why and how they're coming about. Uh, so a couple things. One, Airbud is a movie about a dog that plays basketball. Um, <laughs> So you might want to make sure you get those clear next time before you start running your mouth there, uh, Jonathan. <laughs> then, um, the, the other thing uh, is your mileage kind of varies on uh, how those come out when you're, because it's the AI is basically writing the words for you. So sometimes they're not uh, completely accurate. And it's like in YouTube, when you turn closed captioning on, it's unless you've gone in and clarified those, words afterwards it's just doing its best guess so sometimes words that sound like other words can look kind of funky on there so um don't rely on them i guess and the other thing is if you are doing videos for like and we talked about this after i saw it, and i was at the same 
uh, at that session at Mornet where Greg was talking about this. You could like record your screen while you're doing a lesson and you could have your captions ready to go on there with that too. So that's like another interesting use for uh, using your closed captioning with uh, slides, the built-in closed captioning. Um, so yeah, a lot of cool stuff uh, Google's doing there. Let's talk a little bit about Flipgrid and um, something called guest mode. Yeah, is anybody else familiar with that? I, it came out last I week. I haven't used it. I've been using Flipgrid a lot more this year, but I don't know what, and I don't think about guest mode. Yeah, so I saw it last week and I, I presented out to the state um, consultants yesterday about it. And so basically with the whole new privacy add-ons and everything's been pretty locked down for schools and passwords and stuff like that, which is pretty, I mean, that's good. That's a good thing, obviously. But um, so guest mode basically allows you to invite someone uh, to a grid, um, a specific grid. So like say you're doing a, a, a reflective grid on um, Airbud, the movie, right? And so you create a grid, your students respond until they love the movie, and all of a sudden you get the director and you can make them a guest within that particular grid. You don't give them access to everything in your class. You give them specific access to that grid. So um, it's a great way to kind of, if you like do a parent reflection, you can say, hey, I want this to, I guess, access to a parent or something like that. So it's pretty cool to be able to add one particular person to um, a one grid. It's kind of cool. Uh, very cool. And I know that's useful because a lot of uh, times when you're using Flipgrid, you're, you do like to bring in um, maybe other classes or other people who can be a part of that, but privacy is always a big concern. So it's good that you have the ability to do that without having to completely open it. Because one of your options in Flipgrid is just to have it totally unprotected too, and that's not always a great solution for that. All right. Uh, so, so really cool stuff with uh, what's new. Um, Next, we are going to be moving on to our Coach's Corner. All right, so this uh, time for Coach's Corner, we're going to be talking about developing assessment-capable learners. And uh, so who wants to uh, chat us up on that? What, what are we talking about there? So one of my roles, I said I was a, the state says, hold on, let me get there again, coaching support team technology consultant. Um, we are focusing on a couple of John Hattie's uh, high effective uh, strategies. And one of them is the assessment, assessment capable learner. And so students understanding where they're supposed to be, uh, where they are going, that kind of thing, um, making goals, that kind of stuff. So the state of Missouri has put out a whole package or module however you want to discuss it and it's open to anybody so um it's not like it's really being advertised other than in this episode um but it's not like it's being hidden or password protected so anybody can go search it so i've put a link in the show notes to it because it's not the easiest thing to get to but it's out there and as part of this module which includes handouts and powerpoints um there is a coaching companion document that's actually got 25 pages full of resources and this is books articles videos all about um the importance or um the effectiveness of assessment capable learners and it's really to kind of be used with staff uh to kind of help them understand how to implement this uh particular um engaging strategy so uh check definitely check it out the show notes like i said there are four different participant slides you can check out that you're welcome to grab there's a bunch of handouts with it um and then you got the coaching companion which is in the pdf it's got all those uh different resources there it's pretty cool yeah so uh just to throw the website out here this is not would not be the easiest thing to find um mo m-o-e-d-u dash sale.org 
and then from there uh, forward slash developing ACL materials. But I'm sure if you go to the main page, you can find your way there. But uh, just looking through it, there's a ton of resources here. So um, would you say that uh, they what they have on their website as far as these presentation materials will be enough for you to get started with implementing this in your organization? Absolutely. So the whole, uh, the process of this and the, the way this came about is the, the state's been doing this for about six years, seven years. And so um, these were developed over time, these presentations, and it was the consultants around the state presenting these two schools. And while well, the state realizes that these are valuable and have high effective um, effectiveness and so all the schools should have access to them and so um, they are meant to be able to pull down and kind of provide PD in these areas um, around them they include some activities and stuff like that too so uh, definitely can be used within um, a PD time frame um, or just an individual coaching session so um, definitely worth taking a look at there. Uh, and yeah, just looking through their website, I'm going to throw this uh, out a couple of things. Uh, some great uh, pedagogical backing here, especially for people who are in a tech coaching situation. It looks like they have stuff for metacognition, instructional leadership, um, common, of assessment, uh, common formative assessments. And these are all things that, you know, when you're a tech coach, you, you should be worrying more about the how of using technology or pardon me the why of using the technology and not necessarily the app the tools themselves but why you want to use those and the, there it looks like there's a ton of resources here so definitely um check that out and jonathan thanks for sharing that that's some really great stuff that uh i am looking forward to digging into yeah no problem again it definitely is definitely a not easy website i'm not sure who came up with the idea but it is moedusail is what they like to call it and so if you just search moedusail uh, there's nothing like it out there in the web, so it'll pop up first in your search bar, and then you just click on that, and then just kind of cruise around there. There's tons of resources. The Coaching Companion is one in particular that we wanted to share, but there's a lot out there for free from the state of Missouri, so check it out. Uh, so there's our uh, Coach's Corner for uh, this month's episode. Next, we're going to be moving on to our featured content, and we're going to be asking ourselves, what do we actually do in, as a tech coach? Uh, what is your day-to-day uh, routine look like? What are the things you're doing um, uh, when you, from the moment that you walk in to the moment that you leave? What are your duties? How does your title reflect that? And so let's just uh, kind of kick it around here. Who wants to talk about uh, defining your role about what you actually do on a daily basis? So I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, I've been in this role for what, five years now and seeing how the job has progressed over the past five years. You know, I think we, in that time we've seen kind of a shift in what we do with ed tech, right? Going from, Oh my gosh, look at this tool. It's such a cool thing. Let me show everyone how to do a Kahoot to the why behind it. So that's really kind of helped to change the role of this job. Like when I started, it was a lot of folks who saw the word technology in my job title. So they wanted me to fix a lot of projectors and um, that kind of thing. Going to working with PLCs and doing one-on-one -on -one coaching to now, you know, part of that role includes, I work with a whole lot of interdisciplinary groups. So I facilitate the work of our library PLC. I, um, oversee is a pretty strong word, but I oversee our six through eight um, challenge class curriculum writing. So it's turned into a lot of curriculum writing to go along with the coaching and some of the other administrative duties 
as assigned. I, I would totally agree. I know that when I took my position on, um, we had, we had just a couple of years before totally removed instructional coaches completely. So we didn't have any instructional coaches in the whole district. So when they reintroduced this, they, the vision was, uh, what are we going to uh, do now that we're buying all this technology? So I think a lot of districts are kind of stepping into a hole because you're either going one-to-one because uh, it's like a, the, one of the things that's kind of popular to do right now, or you have to buy the devices because of standardized testing or the big tests or however, and with those things being uh, ran through technology. So they knew that, um, we needed a technology guy, but they didn't actually know what that was going to be. So we had a committee and I actually wrote the, the job description for the job that I ended up applying for and getting, but it, the, what we wrote that day in no way reflects what I actually do now, because that was literally, Oh, I'm going to, we're going to go into classrooms and we're going to show teachers how to use like Google drive and Google docs. But it's, it's so far transformed from this kind of hand over hand, showing people how to use tools to more of like a leadership in a vision role about like, here are the important, um, we need students who are creative and collaborative and all, you know, the four C's and all that kind of stuff. What, uh, what things can I show teachers to help them influence students to do those things. So I'm doing far less just showing teachers how to use apps and I'm doing more of this kind of uh, pedagogical shift of, the ways that we're supposed to be using technology in classrooms. I agree with you, Josh. Like that's, that's exactly how it started with, with me. I mean, this is my fifth year in this role. They brought me in because they knew they were going one-to-one with Chromebooks at the high school level. And so they needed somebody to teach the teachers how to use Google and how to use those Chromebooks. And um, pretty soon after that, once we went one-to-one at the middle school, um, we decided for every certified teacher in our district to become Google level one certified. So from this point on, um, I basically work with teachers for that Google level one certification. And so everybody is Google level one certified. So it was like, well, I don't really need to sit down and have these big, huge trainings teaching how to use Google. Um, And so now it's evolved into that, into like how to, you know, work our way through the SAMR level. Now that we know how to use these different things, how can we be better at it? How can we use them to enhance our lessons? And on top of that, it's even, um, and I'm sure it's with you guys too, my role has evolved into of professional development and how to give really great PD and how to teach teachers how to do that and how to work with our district tech committee members on things with digital citizenship and PD. And it's just, it's just crazy. Um, I was just talking about this yesterday with, um, with some admin and it was just interesting to talk about the difference between five years ago and now as a tech coach. So uh, let's talk about what your day to day looks like. So from the moment, unless you're Jonathan, you roll out of bed at like 10:30 in the morning. Um, what is your uh, <laughs> what is your first uh, from the moment you get to school till the moment that you leave? What are some What does that look like for you? So I'll jump in. Um, a lot of weeks, like my my first job. Well, my first job's getting coffee. I'm not even gonna lie. All right. <laughs> Like Starbucks is on the way to the office. Even if it's not on the way, it's on the way. Um, I usually start my days with a PLC team. Our middle schools have common PLC time. So they meet by department uh, during advisory first hour. So I have middle schools that I rotate through basically middle school a week for the month. 
So I'll start with the PLC team and kind of the work we do depends on where that team is and what their um, goals are for the year. So I'll start there. A lot of times I'll head into the office and we either have PD team meetings, department team meetings. Um, so a lot of meetings in between, some one-on-one -on -one work with teachers in there. Um, some of that work is still pop-ins for tech support and that kind of thing. I, I had a teacher in, in my office with his laptop right before we started recording because his laptop wouldn't turn on. Um, so I get some of those in between and then some, you know, after school we have bigger group PD sessions and faculty meetings and PD planning with individual teachers. So you never know. Aaron, what does your day look like? You know, honestly, like I, I first started with this, with this position, I was trying to, cause we're small, you know, so we have four, so I have four buildings that I can go to. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the high school on Monday and the middle school on Tuesday. And the, in no, that did not work. That didn't work the first year. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's just because my first year. So then I tried it again the second year still didn't work. And so now my daily schedule is really based off of teachers. The teachers just, they, they will email me and say, hey, can you meet with me during block two and four and we can work on this and I just put it on the calendar. And so I don't know about you guys, every night I'll, I bring up my Google calendar and I take a look at the next day and I'm like, oh yeah, I do have all of these things lined up in a row. And I just uh, skip around from one building to another and see different teachers. But I can do that though, because we are small. So I can basically, you know, hop on a scooter and go from one place to another. But <laughs> I wish, I actually wish I had a little skitter. That'd be really, really fun to be able to go. Yeah. Like a little motorized scooter from one place to another. Um, but yeah, the, really the teachers the admin the secretaries it just I mean it could be anybody they just um they basically make my day the way it is so my big thing is with my day is that once I make it to my office it's really hard for me to get back out because there's always like it's the part of my job that is very important but the thing that I like to do the least is like do emails set up schedules, set up planning times with teachers, things like that. So I never will start my day going to my office. I will always go to another school. And at least if, even if I don't have anything planned, I will go and I'll walk around and I'll, you know, chat, chat with a couple of teachers. Maybe I haven't seen in a while, check in with some of our new teachers, stuff like that. Just trying to establish my presence throughout the district. Cause it's kind of like you, Aaron, I'm in a smaller district. We have six schools, but I'm the only person in the instructional part of tech, the technology. So all the other tech people are there to do break fixes, fix touch screen boards, uh, fix Chromebooks, all that kind of stuff. So they get a whole different set of uh, feel from that technology than they do for me. And so I like to go there and uh, just to have presence. So that's my first thing. Um, Usually after, and my office is at the middle school. So if I start over at the middle school, I'm going to be, usually get stuck there all day. But once I go there, I do all that. I try to communicate with at least a couple of teams of teachers, kind of back to what JP was saying with PLC. I do try to meet with teams and uh, we set agendas for like stuff that they want to try in their classroom. I try to, and all of this stuff is kind of tying together for me. Teachers always want tools. They always want to know, can you come in and show my kids how to do Flipgrid? Can you come in and show my kids how to do a screencast? Can you come in? And I always want to say, if you're start, like, 
all these meetings with teachers, like, let's come and talk about the project that you want to do or the learning that you want your kids to have, not necessarily the buttons you want your kids to press on a keyboard to make that this thing work. So that's like another chunk of my day is setting up a few of those meetings. Um, usually I try to meet with a couple of different teacher teams a week, whether it's like some a second grade elementary team or high school English teachers or whatever. And I even do like uh, Google training with our administrative staff, uh, office staff, secretaries, paraprofessionals, stuff like that. So then checking in with them and, th and stuff like that. And then the last big thing that I do, and somewhat selfishly, uh, so I've been doing this for four years now, and I definitely miss like actually going in and teaching. So I will uh, email a teacher and be like, hey, there's this really cool thing I want to try. Can I come experiment with this in your classroom? Can I do a video with your kids? Can we try this thing or whatever? So the last part of my job beyond um, establishing presence, building rapport, uh, providing leadership and training opportunities for teachers is I actually like to go in and do face-to-face hands-on projects with students so that's where uh, a lot of ideas I have I can kind of practice them there and then that's the kind of stuff that I'll train teachers on but that's like the it's, it is selfish I don't need to do that but I like to do that so I, I give myself that little opportunity to um, build that into my my day-to-day I think that's really important, Josh, like the, the whole you're being selfish and still jumping in classes and teaching. That's so important to help us stay connected to the classroom and to you know, help us make sure that the things that we're teaching teachers and we're showing them are so relevant with kids because we're going in there and practicing what we preach. So doing that is just so important. You know, not only does it give you, you know, the, the street cred that you need with classroom teachers, but then you're also able to pull those examples when you're talking with other groups. You can say, hey, check out this work we did in a, I did in a sixth grade classroom. You can see the product the kids made based on this thing I'm teaching you today. Absolutely. And I think it's important. I just remember back when I was in a classroom and we'd get PD stuff and I would always feel like it was coming from people who um, the joke was they had 20 minutes in a classroom and 20 years in an office. They had never actually been a person that was kind of in the trenches, so to speak, in a classroom. And so you always felt like they were giving you information that it wasn't actually things that they were doing or practicing. And I never, I really want to avoid our teachers thinking that I am this like administrative top shelf person who doesn't actually practice anything. You just present everything. So all I try to practice anything that I do. That's why it's, I think it's really important in these roles. If you want to stay relevant to actually see what this looks like in a classroom, don't just tell teachers to do it, literally walk into classrooms, do it. And then you know, already know, Oh, here's the good things, but here's the bad things. And here's, we have to build in all of these solutions to these problems to make that work. Josh, I'm really thinking about what you said um, about, you know, going to your office and then you open up your emails and sometimes you end up getting stuck like that. That happens to me all the time. Like I will come, my office is here at the high school and I'll walk in, open up my email and I'm like, oh gosh. And sometimes like those, um, those kind of days where you realize that you've sat there and like replied and gone through emails and stuff, you feel like maybe you didn't accomplish something. And I almost 
for me, it feels like I'm alone in a huge bowling alley and I start on one end and I start one ball rolling and I move to the next one, start the next one rolling. And it's like, okay, well, as long as I'm getting the ball rolling on all of these different things and I can run back to the beginning and see if the ball returned to me and I can keep this going. And it's just, um, so that's what I have to kind of think about whenever I have one of those days where it's a lot of sitting in front of my computer and it's okay. There's still movement happening. There's still things being accomplished, but yeah, sometimes it's a lot of emails. <laughs> I, and I, I agree, but I, I mean, and I'm not saying that stuff's not important. It is like, mm-hmm. especially when you're uh, the only person that's doing this for a, a small district, but a big a group of people that you have to uh, cater to, you, you, you have to sit in front of a computer and send emails. Sometimes you have to get on your calendar and schedule times to do stuff. And you can, you can like feel like trapped by that. Sometimes there are days when I go into my office and the only time I leave is to get a drink or go to the bathroom. Like, you know, those days happen and those are important days too. Uh, so it's hard just trying to balance like all of those responsibilities, like being this present person who is in, out in front and uh, demonstrating with teachers, but also, having that back in because we don't, I don't have a staff. I don't have a secretary. I don't have anybody helping me put all this stuff together. It's just me. It's a one person show over here. Totally. Yeah. So you you brought up some good points. I mean, the staying relevant and getting in the classroom is something I miss uh, a lot, you know, and I, when I work with districts, I say, Hey, contact me. I can come and observe. I can come and and co-teach. You can do a lot of stuff, but they don't really know who I am. So I'm still kind of building those relationships. I had some good relationships last year with some schools that I worked with um, and was with a lot of, a lot of classrooms and a lot of teachers working with, you know, um, Hey, you got, you're doing this here. What have you ever thought about doing this? And, and it was, it was cool. And, and so the chief principal at first was like, we don't have anything on the agenda. We don't, we're, we're not doing anything special today. It's like, well, that's okay. I'm just here to kind of support you in any way you can. And it was kind of um, hard for them to get used to that, and but it was good for me. I mean, I'm just here selfishly. I don't care if I have to drive an hour and a half to get here because this is these are the schools that I'm working with now. And um, uh, right now, my since my role changed this year, I haven't gotten into many schools, and so I missed that portion. Um, but uh, definitely agree that it's definitely trying to stay relevant, you know. Um, but after I get up at 10:30 and uh, get get showered and ready to go, you know, 11. 11.15 is lunchtime, so then um, my day really starts to crank up by 1 o'clock. And, uh, and so, no, but my, my, my days are, are typically um, all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm half and half, so half METC, which is usually at the office, uh, whether it's work, workshops or we're, currently we're obviously knee-deep and getting ready for our conference in February, getting the registration open and sessions ready in the grid and all that stuff, but then – for the state, um, you know, it's, it's answering a lot of emails. I'm on the uh, tech committee for the state. So I'm a lot of uh, virtual meetings for that. And then I'm on the PD committee for the state. So I'm on virtual meetings for that as well. And so, um, but then I could just get up at six 30 in the morning and drive to Scotland, Missouri, um, or drive down to Haytime, Missouri. Um, I'm talking with the uh, principal over in Memphis, not Memphis, sorry. Uh, not Lexington, north of Lexington, the small district. And so, um, you know, there's a bunch of districts that I get to go to um, and could be out of, you know, I don't know where. Yesterday I was in Jeff City. So every day is a little different. Um, they don't all start at 1030, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, they're all over the place. And so it's it's a lot of fun. It's very different. I do definitely miss that. And I definitely see the, the 
the weird look on people's faces when I say, hey, you know, I know you just met me, but I'm welcome to come in and help you any way I can in the classroom. I miss that part of my of, of my job. I love educating kids. So. so I think kind of all of us would agree. I mean, at least if your district is doing it right, when you get hired to do this, you're you're getting hired into a very diverse group of skills that you need to have. You need to be able to do leadership. You need to be a vision person. You need to be able to do professional development. You need to be able to build rapport with teachers. You need to, I mean, be willing to be in 10, six, with, in my case, six places in a day. Like you just have to be a flexible person that can cater to a lot of different demographics. In a, um, I, it's just, it's, uh, it's tiring and it's hard and it's, it feels like you never anything done. But at least for me, it's uh, super rewarding and um, I really love my job. I love what I get to do every day. So uh, totally worth it and awesome for me. Um, real quick, let's do, how does your job title reflect your job duties? So um, I just, when I think about this, I think the first time I met Erin was at a conference a, a couple of years ago and she basically did a session and like the first thing she said that really spoke to me was uh, uh, we, everybody went around and kind of said what their title was and it was like, how do you survive uh, in this world when there's one of you and everybody's do get called a different thing and it feels like nobody really knows what you're doing. So uh, what do you like, how does your title reflect what you actually do and do you feel like that's even accurate? I feel like for me, um, it's funny because I'm the technology coach, but I almost feel lately like the technology piece has kind of, I don't know, I feel like you could just call me coach. <laughs> hey, coach. I'm, just, I'm just the coach. And um, it's a, yeah, it's just, it's sitting with teachers, with admin, whoever, and just like coaching them through things, you know, how, how can I, sitting with the teacher and coaching them through, how can I get through the SAMR level with this certain science lesson or sitting with an admin and coaching them through how can we, how can we develop a PD that would, that we could fit into 30 minutes at our two hour early release time or coaching a secretary on how to use a Google form to reach all the seniors. So we know where we're going to go on our senior trip. I mean, it just feels like it's definitely just that coaching piece um, that I feel, I, I feel like that fits for me. I think, um, you know, in my role, we focus a lot on the technology, but we focus a lot on things that aren't technology. You know, I feel like things like breakout EDU always fall on like the tech folks, right? Even though a breakout box in and of itself has very little technology to do with it. So I feel like the word technology could really be um, changed out for instructional coordinator or innovation coordinator or learning coordinator, that kind of thing, because what we do is so much more than just, here's how you use Google Drive. It's really all about kind of innovative thinking and learning. I totally agree with you, absolutely. absolutely. Like, I would, uh, I agree, like, and I always think of like, so I, I'm one of the, I help facilitate our beginning teacher program in our district, and I spend just as much time talking about like, uh, Kagan cooperative learning structures as I do technology with those people, but that's also, Anytime I talk to teachers, I'm talking about that. Like, here's the why, just as much as here's the technology. So I get technology in my job title. Like, people do still sometimes ask me to restart their, uh, fix their Chromebook, or I'll get a student who stops me in the hall and says, hey, my screen is broken, or, you know, whatever. Um, so I get, like, you just, that's naturally going to happen. But 
my position is instructional technology facilitator. If you look at the phone tree, it says district tech PD. If you look at our website, it says te district tech coach. I have all these titles. Like, I don't really know what I do. Um, but uh, when it all boils down to it, like, I'll remember when they hired me, I met with the panel and what they said was, you seem like a person that has the right mindset and vision to do this job. We just want to hire a person who has a gr some great ideas about what you think you should do and then make us feel really good about the way that you do those things. And so my title, Instructional Technology Facilitator, I don't know what that actually means I'm supposed to do. Um, what I actually do is uh, coach our teachers, uh, usually involving something more innovative, like JP said, than actually technology. But um, th at the end of the day, my role is to coach teachers to do their jobs better, typically using technology. All right, so guys, let's wrap this thing up with some closing comments. Um, Innovative Technology Grant, Erin, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I learned about the Innovative Technology Education Fund, um, or ITEF, um, at one of our educational, uh, our ETA, Educational Technology Association meetings. And I noticed the other day that uh, their innovation grant just opened up. So it opened up uh, November 1st, and it's available uh, till January 31st, 2019. And so you can hop on over to uh, their website. Um, it looks pretty, kind of a long website, so we'll put, put it into our notes, but you can just Google Innovative Technology Education Fund and click on Grants We Offer, and it's called the Innovative Technology Grant. And uh, looking at, you know, the people who have um, won this in the past, I mean, they have won a ton of money for their schools and for their students um, to buy just anything that they feel that they need um, technology wise. So definitely go check that out if you are somebody who's who has a great idea for a big huge project for your students and maybe just do not have um, all of the technology the devices anything like that that you need go check it out and maybe they could help you out. Hey, if I could jump in with one thing about ITEF real quick. Um, I don't know what our outside Missouri listener base looks like but that is ITEF is an organization that does fund local St. Louis area schools. So if you are listening to us from in California, you might be out of luck with this one. Yeah, they do some good good stuff. They uh, awarded fifty, sixty thousand dollar grants, I think ninety thousand dollars to one district. They built a they took one of their old science mobile science labs in an R V and turned it into an, in, um, an innovative lab and now so they got three D printers and, and a bunch of coding activities in there. So um, they're definitely looking for uh, the next big thing or uh, innovative thinking. And so it's not just like, oh, hey, we, we want five iPads. Can we just put a grant in for it? So they definitely want um, very um, detailed and innovative ideas within those projects. But it's very, very, very cool. So two things that I wanted to share out uh, with closing comments as one is we are excited to announce that the MBTC conference registration is open. Um, we've got it open. They opened, I believe, yesterday. So it's really exciting that finally um, is there. You can go to the mbtcedplus.org website. Uh, the link is also in the show notes. Um, it is going to be February 11th through 13th, three full days. So you can come one day, you can come two days, or you can come all three days. I believe everybody on this panel is presenting. So um, if you like hearing us a ed, pod, ed tech pod squad live, we're doing an episode live from the conference in our session. I believe it's Tuesday morning um, so you should come be a part of this. We're going to 
uh, record it live within that time frame. So it's pretty exciting about that too. So, um, but anyway, so we got a lot of different things going on within that conference. One of which it's also open is the student showcase uh, uh, submission time. So from now to about the end of December, we are looking for teachers to submit their student work um, and bring them to the showcase. So the showcase is going to be February 12th. Uh, we typically have about 125 or so kids um, showcasing stuff from green screening to coding to uh, co-spaces to um, tearing computers apart and putting them back together and understanding the whole um, deconstructing and reconstructing pieces of that. Um, just, you know, anything that, that, that is innovative. You know, I have a pretty wide range of what innovation means for kids. Um, we can all have arguments about what being innovative is, but from a student standpoint, if a student really feels they're being innovative, I'm pretty open to that because that's a big deal. I'm not going to tell a student they're not being innovative. I say, no, sorry, you're not. Um, so if it's a big deal for the kids, then it's a big deal for us. And we want them to be on display at our conference. And so it's free for them to come. They get pizza out of the deal. Um, and it's a very great chance to get an authentic audience for your kids. Um, there's going to be a podcast coming out on the MTC podcast about the showcase Two teachers that bring their kids every year um, from Proper Bluff and from Orchard Farm. So one of Aaron's uh, co-workers talk about uh, the benefits they see from bringing their kids each and every year. So it's open K through 12. We have five different categories, but those categories are really just kind of guidelines. Um, if you have something that doesn't fit one of those categories, don't worry about it. So check it out. It's in the show notes. Go to metcedplus.org for more information or reach out to me on Twitter or email. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us this month. Um, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And definitely make sure uh, check out that METC conference. It's always the bomb and you can probably uh, see us all there. All right. Uh, one last time. Let's go around and uh, tell everybody who we are and where they can find us. Um, my name is Josh Howard. You can get me on the Twitters at Josh C. Howard. My website, joshchhoward.com. My name is Jonathan Lee, and I work for METC and the St. Louis RPDC. You can reach me on Twitter at percent. And I'm Erin Lawson. You can find me um, on Twitter at Erin underscore Lawson3, and I'm in the Orchard Farm School District. Yeah, you got it, Erin. Way to go. And I'm J.P. Presvento, Instructional Technology Coordinator in Fox School District. Connect with me on social media at J.P. Prez or my website, jpprez.com. All right, everybody's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the EdTech Pod Squad. We will see you next month for sharing and reflecting with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty-Knoll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and J.P. Presvento. 